Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Friday edition. Outkick 360 rolls on. Hutton Withrow with you. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, we've got the SEC tournament going on. Plenty of headlines to hit this hour. Plus, C.J. Watson joins us in 20 minutes. Former Chicago Bull and has played for other organizations as well. Former Tennessee Vol. He'll be with us on the show to chat hoops in 20 minutes. We're watching the hoops right now from Bridgestone Arena at the SEC tournament. Plenty of games going on across the country as well. Tennessee, though, in a back-and-forth game right now in the first half with Missouri. Yeah, Tennessee, uh, are we going to go to an update wait, wait. now? Yeah, well, They're up by three, I believe. Davey, yeah. you have more? Yeah, right now the Vols up 16-13, to 13, uh, just about to hit the under eight in the first half there. Going back to earlier today, though, Alabama absolutely destroyed Mississippi State. Mississippi State being on the bubble. That could be something to keep an eye on, but Alabama won 72-49. to 49. And if we go up to the Big Ten, uh, Purdue ended up taking down Rutgers 70-65. to 65. So Purdue trying to get that one seed, and Rutgers also a team on the bubble. But right now, just starting the second half, Michigan State trailing Ohio State 35-29. to 29. Ohio State, of all teams, a little bit hot going into this uh, tournament. So looking for a big win there for the Buckeyes. I'm always curious about the runs in the conference tournament into the – you can see examples of both where it carries over or it doesn't. You know, it like always feels like there's Tennessee one, last year, for instance. Yeah, it didn't matter. You know, they, they ran into a tough matchup with Michigan in the second round and lost. I don't know that it ultimately matters. What's interesting to me is I feel like every year, almost in every conference – there's one team that is either on the bubble or not in contention for the tournament at all that gets to yeah. a semifinal run. Yep. Semifinal or better run. A year ago in the SEC, it was Texas A&M. We've seen this with other teams, too, where they get hot and they keep winning, even though going in, they really, you know, they, I guess they have everything to play for and that their season ends you know, if they don't win the conference tournament. But it's not a team you're saying, oh, they need a couple wins to get on the right side of the bubble or whatever it may be. It feels like that happens a lot. Trey Wallace from OutKick is covering the SEC tournament. He's in postgame right now with Nate Oates and Brandon Miller in Alabama who ran through Mississippi State. I I didn't think that Bama would come in red hot. I thought State winning yesterday and having the chance to play again would be a closer game. It wasn't. But the storyline is around Brandon Miller and how Bama has handled that situation. That will continue to be the, the questions asked post-game. Trey will check in with us probably in about an hour or so here on the show. Um, Charles Barkley gave his take on Brandon Miller and the situation at Bama where he brought the gun to the scene that was used uh, in a, a murder and charges. We've got capital murder charges from that case uh, for two individuals for killing a 23-year-old mother of, of one. Um, the quote from Barkley on Miller, he should have been given a timeout to learn decisions have consequences. He's lucky Alabama's behind the times. In 49 other states, he probably would have been charged with a crime. And, I mean, he wasn't in this case, from the district attorney to, 
you know, everything that we've heard from Bama, they're pointing to the legal aspect of things. But from the legal end of things, that's not where punishment has to end for being a member of a team, right? Yeah. Making a poor decision doesn't have to be committing a crime. That's not the same thing. And a poor decision was made in this regard at minimum. And Alabama continued to play him. And that's what Barkley's saying, and he's dead on right with this. Yeah, and it's... It, I, I'm not hearing from... I don't want to make this out to be like, uh, you know, the sports world is in defense of, of Brandon Miller on this. Or not Brandon Miller, of Alabama in this. Because quite frankly, all I see are, are Alabama fans or Jay Billis uh, have come out and said, you know, Alabama did the right thing by not punishing Brandon Miller at all and not, you know, sitting him at any point. So I don't want to make it like, oh, you know, there's all the – it's really Alabama fans. And, and Charles Barkley points that out as well. We've pointed it out also. And that is the important distinction. It's not by the law. So many people would come back and say, well, why would the coach suspend him or take any action yeah. when no charges were pressed. Coaches do things to players and suspend them or punish them all the time when there's no legal charges pressed against someone or there's no crimes committed. Guys get suspended all the time for all sorts of different things. So that, that's, not, that's not a valid excuse in this case. Look, Alabama botched it. They had a chance when you know, Greg Byrne even admitted they didn't know about the text until after the right. court proceedings. Then they had a chance to maybe get it right at that point and come back and say, okay, we didn't know about this new information, so now we're going to suspend them for three games, four games, whatever. Even if you don't just kick them off the team, which I would have done, honestly, but if you don't do that, then do something. And they had a chance to do that, and they didn't. They, they instead decided to do nothing. Well, and, and other coaches at the tournament yesterday are being asked about this in their, in their press availability. Uh, story at outkick.com uh, Rick Barnes for instance head coach at Tennessee uh, asked the question and in regards to the the gun policy for members of his team uh, two distinct rules for his players never do anything domestically to a female don't possess a gun anywhere no matter what the law is if, if it's legal to carry or not his quote was university has a code of conduct policy no weapons allowed on campus but as a team, that is our rule, too. No one on the team. Two things we have. One of them is you can never, ever do anything domestically against a female. You can never carry a firearm is a team rule. But the university also has that policy in place. From Rick Barnes. Well, and the University of Alabama has a policy in place, too, about weapons on campus or campus-adjacent buildings. Right. And, and that's the, you know... The, that's the other thing. Someone's going to come out. Well, it was, you know, they were on the strip. They weren't on. Okay. The weapon was on campus at one time or another. Again, you can sit and try to take everything that a defense yeah. attorney throws out as gospel and act like no bad decisions were made by Brandon Miller and he is completely innocent. He didn't know a gun was in the car. And I had a guy throw out this analogy to me and say, if your neighbor asked for his hammer back and you bring him his hammer, and he hits his wife in the head with a hammer in front of you and kills her, are you then liable for that murder? And I said, are we really going this far to stretch this thing? 
comparing bringing a hammer, a hammer a back in the middle of the day yeah. to a neighbor, to someone texting you to bring my joint at 2 a.m. when they've been drinking at a bar all night. Is that really where we are right now? This is the, this is the example you're trying to make. It's just it's ridiculous. It's why I've really exercised the mute button a lot lately with a lot of Bama fans that continue to talk about this because when your own fan base are the only ones defending it, then you know that you're wrong. Yeah, and it's been the topic at the SEC tournament. Chris Jans at, at Mississippi State was asked about the same thing that Barnes responded to, except apparently the state coach doesn't really know the policy. Quote, that's a good question. Not sure I know the correct answer to that right now on the policy he would have for how he would handle the uh, a player in the same situation with guns within the team. It's amazing to me that like even if you didn't think about these things... You have to know that answer. Well, if you didn't now. think about these things before, now. after an Alabama player is charged with murder, I mean, and the star player 15th. had a gun in the car, that's a good chance to bring your team in and say, hey guys, I know I didn't lay this out when I recruited you, but hey, don't have guns out at bars, or don't right. own a gun, or here's our policy on it. It's amazing would, to me that Chris Jans didn't have, so. even if he didn't have a policy before, that's not right, but you would have one after, or at least talk to your guys about it and say, hey, let's yep. not do this. Here's what we're going to do. I like that Rick Barnes knew immediately what both the university policy was, but also his own team's policy with that. Chris Jans doesn't, doesn't sound great no. in that, that he hasn't thought about this after it happened. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Odell Beckham Jr., he is having a workout in Arizona today, happening soon. 13 teams are reportedly going to be in attendance in some capacity with a scout or someone else there on behalf of the organization. He was rumored to be joining a playoff team at the end of the regular season slash beginning of the postseason two months ago. That did not happen. He's now 13 months removed from the ACL injury that he suffered in the Super Bowl. And the thought is, based on how he's recovered from other injuries, he's going to be just fine, jumping right back in. He's looking to sign with a, a contender. There are plenty of those right now, plenty of sales pitches based on where the quarterbacks go. And my guess is he will end up with a team. I don't know how soon. This tryout probably leads into the second or third wave of free agency and he latches onto a team that he thinks is the best fit to go and compete for a title. But he was being recruited by Buffalo and Von Miller. Uh, of course, the Rams kept his locker for months after the Super Bowl, even though he wasn't a member of the team. And you know, Giants fans have also said, bring him back. Daniel Jones could use that. Price tag, you know, to be negotiated. But I think this is about... With the Rams initially was about the money. He got paid there, and of course he did in Cleveland too. I don't think he's going to, for instance, to Houston based yeah. on the money in this, this, is in not this a, regard. This is not a money play. This is going to be a, I, so. I want to go win a Super Bowl play for Odell Beckham Jr. And Unless, I think someone's going to get a really good player. Dallas is also in the mix there. I, I don't have any reason to doubt that he's not going to come back and be really good. Right? I mean, it's been a lot yeah. of time. As long right. as he's in someone in shape. Uh, and he's passed the injury mentally. I think he's going to be good for someone. I don't even. I mean, and he should have some solid 13 choices. Thirteen teams. To me, I think we know the teams: Dallas, Giants, and uh, of course the Bills. And and all the all the teams that feel like they got a really good chance at the playoffs at the very least, right? <laughs> Would be those yeah, teams. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point too. Um, 
If I'm Lamar Jackson and I'm back with Baltimore, I want him. Yeah, my point is a team that's about to go through a rebuilding process probably isn't putting Odell Beckham Jr. down on their wish list of, oh, this is a guy we really need as as we tank this year. We go with a rookie quarterback. It's going to be teams with established guys in the league that yeah. have a chance of going to the playoffs. Yeah, and he, he gets to pick and choose. I think he'll have multiple suitors, and I also think his value is more around training camp, not right now, based on the draft and everything else. You can let the dust settle, right? Yeah. And, and teams don't want to sign him yet because they want to see what they do in the draft versus what they're going to have to pay him to come in for probably a year, maybe two, uh, and the guaranteed money that you have to give him up front. Um, it seems as though baseball's picking up the pace. With the pitch clock. I love this stat. um, Is it going to actually work, though, in your opinion, whenever we actually get to May, June, July? I I don't know. Does it help more viewers stick with a game longer? I don't know why it wouldn't work. You know, I've tried to think of the reasons that the spring training game would be a big reduction in time and then the regular season games would not be. Uh, And I, I can't really come up with a good one. So I do think that it's going to work in reducing the time of it's the game. It's a drastic change, though. Time yeah. of the game in spring training from last year. Last year was three hours and one minute. This year is two hours and 36 minutes. Does it, immediately, does it immediately help people get back to the ballpark and these teams with attendance issues are now going to have an uptick in attendance? No. The only reason the way you get an uptick in attendance is you win. And when teams are bad, and yeah. even early in the season with teams that they know they're going to be bad, attendance has been terrible. That will continue. Can it help your television viewership? Yes. And the number of eyeballs? Yes. I think having a game in a shorter amount of time in that window will help overall eyeballs watching the product. Is it going to be a huge impact immediately, like this huge impact in length of game we've seen so far, the 20-something minutes less? 25 minutes. In spring training? Uh, I don't know, but I think eventually it will pay dividends in terms of television. What I don't know, though, is in spring training, how how much of this is – Oh, they've thrown over twice, right? They can't do it again in that same at bat. Yeah, I don't know about the particulars of how it's speeding up. I think a lot other of it's, than I think a lot of it's batters block. too. Batters, you know, the, you had the game end on the guy being called out because he wasn't he, ready with eight seconds, eight seconds on the clock. Yeah, so I think that's helped speed it up too. As batters are getting in the box a lot quicker, so it's it's twofold. Pitchers can't dilly dally around, and batters can't sit there. And dilly-dally around. you got to get and right back in the box and play. Some of them are minimal increases, but increases nonetheless in stolen bases, in singles, and in runs scored. Plus 25 minutes less on average compared to what we saw a year ago in spring training. I hope that correlates. Does the base size help also? I have to feel like everybody's just pointing would. to not throwing back as much. And I'm thinking having these huge uh, New York-style pizza boxes I think on the bases to. have to help stealing bases too. Yeah, because you still have to put the tag on. Well, yeah, but you got more room to navigate right. around now. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I think that's going to help stolen base percentage. Strikeout rates virtually the same. That's also think good that, and bad. I don't think when you're like at, at whatever they are, eighty three percent steal percentage right now. I don't know that that's necessarily good. I brought up the stat with Kurt Schilling, but right now the Major League Baseball average is higher than Ricky Henderson's best year. Oh, stealing bases <laughs> in terms of percentage. So if you steal, you're you're getting it. There's over a right, uh, and that's what that's telling you is they're you're going to steal the base if you want it. It was the average last year. Again, spring training is the is what we're looking at. There were one and a half stolen bases per game in spring training a year ago. Now they're two and a half. So you are getting the extra stolen base, which is going to increase runs scored, and they're up by one run per game on average. One stolen base per game per average compared to last year. 
Coming up, we'll switch gears. C.J. Watson about to join us. Looking forward to chatting with the former Vol, former NBA vet, and much more. It's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Trey Wallace will be joining us soon from the SEC tournament. Alabama advances to the semis of the SEC tournament. We're watching Tennessee and Missouri right now, where the winner also advances to tomorrow's semis here in Nashville. Chad, the Vols in a back-and-forth battle with Missouri. Down by yeah, two. Ten Tennessee led by as many as seven at one point. Down two right now. Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan-James, two senior leaders for Tennessee, both in foul trouble, been on the bench for a while. Tennessee's offense has been as bad as you'd probably expect with those two guys out. They're trying to weather the storm right now and get to halftime, not giving up too much because they're not scoring with this group that's currently in the game without both of those guys. Uh, Missouri at the line looking to go up four with a minute 20 left in the first half. Chad, so we know Texas Tech's looking for a coach. Yes, this is a great tease earlier. You immediately had me hooked. Multiple outlets now saying that Texas Tech is very interested in hiring Rick Pitino. So they brought in Bobby Knight a yeah. long time ago, right? They did that after some scandal and some issues with him. You know, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was him going after the kid on campus that said, hey, Knight, or whatever, right? Yes. Um, but there were other issues. Yeah, that was... Um, that was the last issue. I, I from just a coaching standpoint Amen. for your program, I mean, come on. Can you do any better? The answer is no. I mean, anyone that you could – outside of Tom Izzo, who's not going to leave, or the top guys in the sport that are locked into a great job because they've been there for a while or they're not leaving, you're not going to get anyone more accomplished than Rick Pitino. Hell, I'd venture to say he's the most accomplished coach coaching in college right now. I mean, he's right up there, arguably, with what he's done over the course of his career, winning national championships at – or winning a national championship at Kentucky, winning one at Louisville also. It'd be a great hire for Texas Tech. 
let me. I'll just read straight. Now, from there's jo- baggage there, clearly. Oh yeah, but a it, lot. I, I just but find I mean, it interesting that Texas Tech goes from one coach with baggage to another coach with baggage. It's but, also selective outrage. No right? doubt. No doubt. Like, we're not going to have this guy who uh, who quoted a racist biblical scripture to a player, so, but we will have the guy who knew about hooker parties right. for recruits. That's right. fine because he's been at Iona. Yeah. And he's he served his penance, and now he's it's time to come back to division, you know, to the the Power Five. Uh, I'll read straight from John Rothstein, who was reporting uh, earlier that St. John's they have parted ways with Mike Anderson, and that St. John's has big interest in Patino, um, primary candidate was the way it was worded at St. John's. Rothstein reported that, then he followed up with another tweet by saying. Source, Texas Tech has expressed serious interest in Rick Pitino over the last 36 hours to replace Mark Adams. I own a place tonight in the semis. This is March, is how he ended it. What and, job do you take if you're Rick Pitino? I think that's a difficult question to answer. For this reason, uh, one, one is power five, right? you got the resources of being in the Big 12. Uh, but the other really offers up a chance to get back to New York City. He was the New York Knicks coach at one point. He I, is a city guy. I know. At I think heart. that fits him. I, I think St. John's, from where he recruits, I remember even at um, when he was at Louisville, you know, could, he would get guys from New York City. He'd get guys from Boston yeah. to come down and play yeah. there. I, I feel like St. John's fits better for what he could do. I right? agree. And to bring it where they are, to bring it back. I just like that Texas Tech is throwing their hat in the ring. But hey, before you take I mean, the St. job. Uh, John's job. I know New but York think, City can be cool, but have you been to Lubbock in winter? Because that's that's even cooler. But if if you're Patino, he gets any job he wants to right now. Texas Tech just got rid of Adams. He knows he can have St. John. Who knows what's next? Right? Yeah. I mean, if you have... Here's the deal. If one team is able to say you're absolved of your sins and it's time to move forward and we can hire you, there's going to be multiple teams. I'm not saying about Chris Beard, you know, with Ole Miss. If Ole Miss is interested in bringing him on campus, there's likely to be more teams or would have been to go after Chris Beard, not just Ole Miss. So it does make sense that if St. John's is interested in wanting to do it, that other teams would be interested as well. Yeah, we'll keep you updated on there, and, and Rostin will certainly be following up based on those two reports. Chad, the, the bubble teams, uh, at, right at the half, By the way, Tennessee the, just hit a we, three we just right heard, at halftime. We heard an ovation from the crowd here at 6th and Peabody, and I looked up and I saw six seconds left, and Missouri hit a three to tie it, and I knew I bet Tennessee probably hit a, a half-court shot. And sure enough, Jemai Meshack, right in front of half-court, buries a three at the horn. Tennessee leads Missouri 33-30 at half. And what's been a really good back-and-forth intense game with some trash-talking, an intense defense between both teams. Yeah, and I mean, the spread here is what? Five? Yeah. Five points? This is what you want to see, by the way, in any conference tournament game when you have two teams guaranteed a spot in the NCAA tournament. You want yeah. both teams playing it like it's March and it means something. If you're a conference tournament, right? They really don't have a ton to play for, I don't think, either team in terms of seeding today, but you want it to be this intense and both teams wanting to win. You've got that in this game. Again, halftime, 33-30 the score. Tennessee and Missouri will be checking in with Trey Wallace momentarily. Chad, Josh Pastor is out at Georgia Tech. Uh, There was a time where he's at Memphis and he's the hottest name going. And now I wonder where he ends up. He'll end up with a job. 
with a, a, a coaching gig. The question is at what level and where he was versus where he's headed. Yeah, there's um, – so one name that I saw, Ron Hunter, if you remember him at yes, Georgia State, they sure. were on that run with his son. Yeah. He's currently at Tulane. I'm not, I'm not sure how good Tulane is right now, but returning to the city of Atlanta for Ron Hunter where he was at Georgia State would okay. make a lot of sense. Georgia Tech's another city school that you would think, man, you're in downtown Atlanta – that is a hotbed for high school basketball and great athletes yeah. everywhere. Georgia Tech's had some success in the past. Um, why are they not better? Admission standards. It, it's tough also because there's limited coursework at Georgia Tech. It's a very good academic engineering school. It's more difficult to get transcripts through to transfer to Georgia Tech, I think. And it's not just that. It's having the actual courses available for someone's major to go there, continue whatever they're doing to stay on, on course for graduation is difficult. Now, those are just, to me, excuses for a program that's failed a lot lately that you can easily point to. I can also easily point to, they got Stefan Marbury to go to Georgia <laughs> yeah. Tech. They got Kenny Anderson to go to Georgia Tech at, at, at one point. You can get players to downtown Atlanta to play at Georgia Tech in the ACC. So you get the right coach. That is a program that could win and win huge, I think, in the ACC. they got to work through some issues. I'm sure NIL needs to get figured out at Georgia Tech also. But that's a basketball program that should be better. No doubt. Uh, teams on the bubble. Maybe you're a, a Vandy fan. Several others. You took a sigh of relief, a deep breath, and an exhale based on the fact that Florida Atlantic won today, Chad. Because that could be a two-bid league based on FAU and if they don't win the CUSA Conference. Conference USA could have been a, um, a two-bid league, right, if that happened. Tight because game. Florida Atlanta, right now it's a one-bid league. So, yes, everyone that's, uh, that's on the bubble, whether it be the Power 5 teams on the bubble or the Mountain West teams on the bubble right, also, yeah. you breathe a sigh of relief. Huge one for Vanderbilt tonight uh, here in our city in Nashville. Kentucky fans will probably take over the arena it's going to be a heavy Kentucky fan base it's also going to be everyone else in attendance that's with any other school will be cheering hard for Vandy in the game so it does create in this conference I've seen it in Nashville a lot where it can feel almost like half and half at times because everyone else that's there that's impartial will root against Kentucky yeah with all the Kentucky fans in the house that's a huge one though for Vanderbilt I think if they win they're probably going to get in they're going to have a good chance based on some other things breaking hey. right over the weekend. If they lose, I think they're most definitely not going to be in the tournament. Still a half to play, but if Tennessee advances over Missouri, they lead by three at halftime. They'll face Alabama tomorrow. Yeah. That will be a college basketball atmosphere. That will be insane based on Brandon Miller uh, and the rivalry between the two universities. And let's face it, it's sort of a right now, given recent history, yeah. it's good versus evil. Yeah, I mean, it, Rick, That's, it's 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 right. Deacon Barnes and Rick Barnes, you know, who is the deacon at your local church, <laughs> and then Nate and, and his kids who don't get in trouble, yep. really. That you know, for the most part, are likable but tough, play hard versus Nate Oates and everything that's gone down with Alabama this year. It will have that sense of good versus evil in the game, whether you buy that or not. And I'm not saying every Alabama player is evil or anything like that, but that's going to be the perception in this game is good versus evil, and it could be a heck of a college basketball game. Zakai Ziegler was a big part, though, of that Tennessee win 
when they won in Knoxville in mid-February, on February 15th, I think it was. And now he's out. Now he's out. That's, that's not going to help Tennessee against this Alabama team and their guards. Chad, uh, Fred Van Vliet, scorched earth against one NBA official. I'm all for it here. I wish we saw more of this. Uh, at least the NBA gives the final two-minute report, the assessment on their officials and how things are going or how things were screwed up. We don't see nearly the accountability from the NFL for, you know, just the devil's advocate there comparing the two leagues. But Van Vliet's going to get fined. He doesn't care. Um, look, the NBA players criticize the officiating on a call-by-call basis in real time. But he did not hold back after uh, a, in postgame. The quote, I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I really don't care. I thought Ben Taylor was effing terrible tonight. On most nights, you know, out of the three officials, there's one or two that just like, F it. F the game up. It's been like that a couple of games in a row. Um, he, his team, the Raptors, called for 23 fouls in an eight-point loss. Uh, in comparison, 28 to 18 fouls for Los Angeles in this matchup. And the Raptors had just 14 free throw attempts in this game. Clippers had 31, despite those, the, the difference in fouls. And he pointed to Ben Taylor as the issue. And now I would expect that we see the uh, headlines that will include the next time Ben Taylor's officiating a Raptors game with Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, I think he came back and apologized after this too today. But I love this. Here's why I love it. It's so easy just to say the officials sucked and the officials screwed up the game. It is on a different level to call out the one official by name on a three-man crew and say, no, 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 no. The officials were fine. Yeah. This guy sucked. Ben Taylor sucked. And to get specific and say, most players know when a game goes south officiating-wise, out of a three-man crew, it's one guy who typically bleeps it up. And it was Ben Taylor tonight. Whether you agree or disagree, the NBA certainly disagrees. I'm sure the Toronto Raptors organization probably disagrees. It's refreshing honesty to take it as far as to say it's this one guy. Not just the blanket officials, because that's right. There are games where one official is having a good game and another one can't seem to get his feel for the game and is not having a good game. So to specifically cite this one guy as the problem, I... I applaud. I, I like the I, honesty. I applaud you, Fred. I like the honesty. He'll get fined. Like I, I wish the fines were not that detrimental. Uh, NFL coaches won't even discuss officiating in NFL games because of the fine. Yeah. Oh, we'll just have to you know, ask the league. You have to ask the league. I mean, they're, they walk on eggshells to avoid the fine that will be coming if you dare talk about officiating. In the NBA's stance, you know, they've got... The, the history of the, the gambling aspect that certainly took place, uh, fixing games. They're certainly worried about all of that. But at least they give this report from games in the final two minutes where they tell you, here's the grade for the crew based on when this game got tied. That's also the admission that you can watch the final. My, my rule has been the final three minutes. Final three minutes of an NBA game is the time to tune in. That's when things actually get competitive. Yeah, unless it's now, you know, Grizzlies and and Warriors. Another thing that came to mind when I see, saw the story is not enough young guys named Fred anymore, <laughs> right? 
That's just not, not a young name. That's really a generational gap name. You just don't see many kids naming their, their son Fred anymore. So Fred Van Vliet is an American treasure in, in a number of ways, good basketball player, but also calls out single officials and not the entire yeah. crew. And he's a younger dude named Fred. So all those things match up for Fred Van Vliet. Chad, how would you feel if Detroit Mercy pays their way in to the postseason, like the CBI, which would be like twenty-six grand, uh, in order to have Anton Davis break the all-time scoring record in college basketball passing Pistol Pete Maravich? I would understand it from they, Detroit Mercy's standpoint. And for the kid, I think they should do it. Uh, I don't begrudge them. I think it's the right move if you're the school and if you're the kid. But really the bottom line is there's just going to be a number of people who aren't really going to acknowledge him as the all-time leading scorer. Now, if he goes on to some great NBA career or something, what? and we know his name for a while, then, then you will. But, I mean, Pistol Pete is Pistol Pete. Yeah, he's top an of icon. Mind. He's called Pistol. It's also a record that has stood since, the, well, since 70. Yeah. I mean, so how can we not recognize Davis, even though it took Davis three more seasons than Pistol Pete, or two more? full seasons than Pistol Pete. No, look, it's an accomplishment, yeah. no doubt, because yeah. it's lasted this long. Yeah. But With a three-point line included. I mean, you're going to start having the COVID year, yeah. extra year of eligibility. You've got more and more 24-, 25-year-old NFL rookies because of this. He's already got the record for most threes. I just... In his career, Davis. Yeah. It's they a great accomplishment. It. I'm not trying to minimize anything he's done. Game. By paying. It's just, it's very easy to point to. Pete Maravich played three years because freshmen weren't eligible. Yeah. Without a three-point line. There should just be a separate category for that. He only has to score two buckets to take the record. This guy should be the three-point era, you know, highest scoring player of all time. Three-point era and everybody's eligible at all times, you know, era. I don't, I mean... If he breaks the record, he's not a household name, right? Like, to your point, he's got to go on to do more things. But, um, look, the CBI, they'll start giving out these invitations, and a lot of universities will pay the twenty-six grand or whatever the fee is in order to get a home game. And they get to, you know, host the the game. They get the postseason gate. That can be a boost, especially if you had a nice run in your conference tournament or finish to the season and – you want to host the postseason, but you didn't win your conference, you're in a one-bid league, right? They should do this. They should pay the money because they should pack their house in it's order to do it. 27000 26000 yeah, something like there. that? Yeah, around there, That's significant for Detroit Mercy. Sure, but, I mean, they get the home gate, though, that yeah. will be packed. Yeah. They get the exposure. It's, no, it's, it's absolutely worth it. You do it if you're there. I'm saying just for anyone else that wants to join the CBI, if that's the rate, that's yeah. not an easy to – Point being, not an easy decision for all these schools to make, just to say, yeah, we'll pay 27000 So he just missed the record last week. Uh, the score was 71-66. He took a three at the buzzer when Detroit Mercy lost and, against Youngstown State and could have tied the record with the last second three. Needed four points to break it at the end of the game. So he'll get it, and I think they'll, they'll pony up to not only have him break it, but have a chance to host because it doesn't matter on the seating, right? Yeah. It's all about how much you're paying. Hit us up with your thoughts. Outkick 360. Was it ever about the seating in the CBI though <laughs> for anyone? No, but I mean, if you're going to be the eight seed and you're taking on the two and you're hosting them, like yeah. you should, who cares? Right. Like, it's not a legitimate tournament. <laughs> at that point, you're just announcing like, yeah, we don't do things like, you know, all tournaments would do them. 
CJ Watson's going to join us at some point. So will Trey Wallace. This is Outkick 360. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Be sure to check out the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, available now and new episodes every Tuesday and Friday at OutKick.com. And you can hear great discussion on all things Major League Baseball, including Kurt's take on the fact you don't want your pitching involved in the World Baseball Classic. The biggest fear, and I said it last week, I'm terrified as an organization if any of my pitchers are in this tournament. Uh, obviously, you don't want, you know, I, I think it's um, the Padres are talking about Juan Soto and him getting back and being ready to play in the tournament. Um, I just don't want my pitchers in this game. You, you can't avoid the, the the collision contact injuries. They usually generally are rare in baseball, but the pitching stuff worries me. But uh, yeah, if I'm if I'm gambling, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm very comfortable with Japan at plus 275. Very comfortable. I would. I would have those odds probably lower. I think that they're probably ahead of the USA. And I, again, I say that because I haven't seen USA play yet. Their lineup is unbelievable. But, you know, there's uh, there's some questions. And I think your questions around their pitching are legitimate in the sense that the names aren't the same, right? Okay. I mean, this is not I, – I mean, you got Adam Wainwright who's going to be going – pardon the expression balls to the wall because he's 41 years old. This is the – one of the career highlights. I, I you know, I, I was on the uh, team that went to Japan in 1998, and uh, I ended up getting hurt uh, after that. Um, that was a max effort. Every game meant the world, kind of thing um, that I wasn't expecting or experiencing, and that was after a season of inning. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I think I think Japan would be the guy if I was putting money. If I was putting a hundred today or thousand today, I'd put it on Japan. You can check out the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, available now at OutKick.com. I, I thought whenever we were getting into the WBC chat, I would be more into it initially. I'm not. There was a time where it was something. Like when it first started, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. We'll pay attention. National pride type thing. Now, no. Yeah, I don't so, know many people who are paying attention. Yeah. Otani's in it, but I understand why he's in it from the, you know, from the Japanese standpoint there, but I mean, we need more starts and I understand from the team standpoint too. Way too much money. Look at the Mets payroll. Way too much money invested yeah. in these superstars for them to compete for anything that doesn't if mean World Series championship. I understand what he's saying about the pitching angle of it. I mean, yeah. if you're a team, you know, selfishly, you don't want any player no. playing in anything other than for your team at any point. What? Well, I mean, point, even, even Olympics-wise, like you get it, it's national pride. You're going to play for your country. Yeah. But, I mean, I bet if you polled the NBA teams, they're not gung-ho about their guys having to go play in tournaments with a chance of getting hurt. Chad thinks uh, 
knotted up at 39 as Tennessee and Missouri look to advance and take on Alabama tomorrow in the semis of the SEC tournament. Yeah, good game. Feels like one where neither team will really run and hide. Tennessee just had a 38-30 lead, and Missouri's hit three straight threes and on a 9-1 run right now. So um, it looks like a game that's going to be pretty pretty close throughout. It has been so far, at least. Chad, there's a guy in uh, Wisconsin that's receiving some attention because on a billboard he's asking for a girlfriend, a date. Wisconsin's number one eligible bachelor. So he claims. Definitely the number one bachelor that puts himself on a billboard. Uh, looking for a local honest woman is, is what it says. Picture of the guy alongside the number. Uh, a, a number that he encourages women to call or text. Um, he claims he's been getting a lot of response to this. I'll say I doubt it. Does he not have Tinder? I mean, do you have a, a smartphone that works? There are countless dating apps you can go on to talk to women or communicate with them. This is just... He asked out the reporter who showed up to interview him about this. But to think about... He said, go big or go home. Like, it, the billboard is the way to go. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's how I'm going to land uh, the future, you know, Mrs. Robert, is by billboard. That's, that's, the, that's the advertising method we want to use. Doesn't make a lot of sense. He said... Uh, I would say it's a publicity stunt, but what's he trying to get publicity about himself? It's not like he's is he now he's going to throw us to his podcast that he hosts and that's what he's really promoting. I mean, I mean, does he have an insurance agency in this town? It's really an ad for that. I, I don't. I, I'm trying to understand the angle or how he would think this would work because it's clearly not. Well, I mean, what he's done is opened himself up to background checks, and at Outkick you could read uh, through Sean Joseph, who's seen the report from the news anchor. Uh, according to court records, had a restraining order put on him in place uh, over a four-year period. He's also had a, a default judgment in a disorderly conduct case involving the town of Beloit next, or excuse me, last year. So that's also there. He says, he says though, hey, you'd be surprised about how many pictures I'm getting. It's crazy. It's just like, oh man, next, 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 next. Again, has he heard of Tinder? <laughs> I mean, or you know, in general, the internet. There's another thing that he should probably look up and Let, find some information. But let's out also about. say, like, any dude out there that's getting a bunch of picks would turn around and be like, look, instead of, man, I'm getting a ton of them. Yeah. Just take my word for it. Right. This guy's getting none. Did he tell the reporter? He's taking plenty and sending plenty. Did he tell the reporter he hit on that he's getting a lot of picks? Is that how we found out about he's that? He's getting texts. Just trust me on this. Women are just sending picks well, left and right. And how many are versions of Marcus Tuiasosopo? who are texting this dude based on the number, yeah. and he thinks there's someone else than who they actually are. You think My that, guess uh, is 97% of those messages. You think that Nev or whoever it is that had the catfish show is just <laughs> oh, yeah. sending an army of, of dudes after this guy pretending to be women, and that we're going to have an entire season <laughs> of just all the times Robert got catfished? That's going to be the next step? Let's also uh, describe him, Chad. He's got a... Leather jacket on in the billboard, belt buckle, uh, denim shirt, it appears. Can't tell. Uh, along with the sunglasses that, you know, are from your local Kroger. Yeah, it looks like an ad for like the cowboy lawyer, you know, like someone that's going with a gimmick that's a, a personal DUI injury. Mike. Personal injury attorney, DUI attorney, uh, someone of that ilk that's advertising something that he looks like he dressed in costume for that. Got to have some type of uh, 
wherewithal, though, there's some confidence that you're going to... He thinks he's succeeding here. He's not. He's not. I I don't think, you know... One thing I'd like to teach the youth of America is that sometimes success really isn't in your own mind. There's external factors for success. Like I made the news, though. He's successful. You win the game, you lose the game. You know, you get the job, you don't get the job. You keep the job, you don't keep the job. There are actual real-life factors for success. And you can't just create success in your own mind. I know we like to tell people that have a positive attitude and positive outcomes, and no matter what the situation, you'll win because you have a positive mindset about it and all these things. And that's just a bunch of hooey. Because the reality is there are winners and losers, and this guy is a loser. Let's face it. That, that's yeah. what we have here. And I don't care what he tells himself at night about the good decision he made to put this on a billboard. He is, in fact, still a loser, and that will continue until he gets that billboard down. And on the billboard it says Robert is looking for a local, honest woman. Sorry, Robert, but those women are taken. They're not going to be local. Your other texts are the opposite. They're not going to be local. They're not going to be honest. And they're probably not going to be women. May not be women. <laughs> Not going to be women also. In that case, go to Grinder. Yes. Not Tinder, right? Yes. Well, uh, just go to Catfish. <laughs> Hit us up, Outkick360. Uh, WWE, they are in talks about uh, with state regulators about the prospect of legalizing betting on their matches. I think this was, the, pr- was this proven to be fake? Through CNBC. I'm reading it straight from Front Office Sports. Uh, sit this morning at 6.57 a.m. So you tell me. I I uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna look it up. You mean, May, you, I, hang on. Saying, you mean you mean WWE's fake? Yes. No no no. I'm saying. I'm not, really? Yeah. No. <laughs> Man, I thought it was real all these years. Um, keep going. I, I I swear I saw a headline today that said that it was a hoax. Because I read this headline the other day. WWE's proposing, and by the way, this is according to CNBC, proposing a plan in which wrestlers would not be told who will win the match until a few hours before it happens. And the company is initially targeting Michigan, Colorado, and Indiana as the initial states to pursue legalization of betting on WWE matches. And they're in front of the gaming control board in Michigan about this. I don't know why uh, you would place money on this. The odds are going to be so much lopsided that it's the return on your investment on the favorite. Yeah. Right? Is it, not- is, it is, in fact, real, by the way. I saw this headline the day, and it shocked me. To see that they would actually consider doing this. Um, what WWE is doing, they're citing the Academy Awards and the Emmys, saying the Which, winners are predetermined before the show starts, and you can still bet on the show. And it caps the limit, though, of what you can bet. But yeah. Yeah. Vince McMahon at it again. More headlines plus CJ Watson joins us next now, Kick 360.